morning, E3. Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and today we're going to continue our series, Fortune Cookie Wisdom. We're exploring the concept of wisdom biblically and the wisdom of God in terms of our daily lives. And we're actually going to continue and build off of Pastor Scott's message from last week on the critical role of diversity when it comes to this topic. As he reminded us, God is fundamentally diverse as a triune God, three in one. And we, as image bearers of God, uh, that reflect him and mirror him in the creation, there's this mystical quality to human diversity. Or if we understand that every single person is made in the image of God, then God must contain all of our diverse images. That in this really profound way, we only get a full image of who God is when we look at all of humanity through its diversity, not by erasing our diversity. And that's true for divine wisdom too. We need all these diverse perspectives to get closer to a wisdom that is beyond our own or our singular groups, which creates a challenge for the church. If we are to be a people that reflect God and mirror him in the world, if we are to be a people that embrace and celebrate all these different experiences and perspectives that cover humanity, if we are to be a people that pursue this diverse image of God's wisdom, then we as a community should be and need to be diverse. And that's kind of the challenge that sets us on our course today. Because if you look at the American church, generally, and E3 particularly, we have often not been a diverse body. The church in America is often the opposite of diverse, which should confront us, it should challenge us. And it's that challenge that I wanna talk about today, or we want to talk about today, as well as the call to repent and the hopeful potential for change and something better for our community that's kind of embedded within it. And obviously, um, if we're gonna talk about diversity in the church, it's probably not best for Mike the white guy to get up and tell you what it means. So we decided to practice what we preach and to have a diverse panel of longtime E3ers to come share their experience, strength, and hope, as well as how they believe that our church can better fulfill this part of our calling. I'm gonna introduce them to y'all today, and after I'm done, you can give them a warm welcome. We have Yen Bailey, she has volunteered in pretty much every capacity you can imagine at our church from greeting to youth ministry to our diversity dialogue team. Roy Dunbar, she is our volunteer ministry team leader of our diversity dialogue team. And yours truly, Maribel Rivera, our excellent, wonderful kids director at E3 Kids. She is the best. Can you give, give them a warm thank you for sharing yesterday? And with that, let's begin. So the first question that we're gonna talk about is kind of grappling with our own history at E3. So historically and presently, E3 has not and is not a very diverse church, especially when it comes to culture, ethnicity, and race. What has that been like for you guys? And where has E3's lack of diversity created maybe a barrier or at least inhibited you from connecting to E3 more because it does not maybe have a more diverse makeup? Um, so, at times, uh, I've been at E3 for ugh, between 11, 10, 11, possibly 12 years. Um, and in the last, I would say, six or seven years, um, I feel like I've felt that lack of diversity um, the most. And um, I've felt at times like um, E3 as a church would be more comfortable with offending and hurting or losing me as a member 
than it would be with offending white folks by talking about racism and the racial inequities in this world in a real way um, and addressing the lack of diversity that we're here to talk about today um, within the organization. And that's not like a, a good feeling. Um, I felt like, you know, and this is not intentional, but that this E3 is not a, a church that was created for someone who looks like me. Um, I don't think E3 is intentionally trying to keep, you know, racially diverse people out, but, you know, the culture of our church is not one that necessarily welcomes um, racial diversity, and that's evident in the fact that we are a majority white church. Um, you know, Tallahassee as a city is very diverse. Um, almost 50% of the population of Tallahassee is not white. 90%, probably more, of our church is. Um, all the people um, who have ever been pastors of our church have been white. A uh, majority of the people who are on staff with our church are white. Um, there's never been a person of color on Wise Council. And there has only been, um, to my knowledge, one volunteer, voluntary uh, ministry leader of color. That's me. <laughs> I'm it. In the, uh, you know, almost 20 years that E3 has existed. Um, so, you know, I, I think, again, I don't think that it was an intentional, but when you have um, a community with a leadership that is pretty, you know, um, is, is the same and doesn't have diversity, then you're not necessarily going to attract, invite, or create an experience that would um, really speak to a diverse group of people. Um, and so, yeah, like it's, it's, it's difficult. Sometimes it's difficult to be a part of this community because again, I feel like I'm expendable. Um, the things that matter to me are not necessarily um, d the things that are important to me, the things that affect me don't necessarily affect the people who are in the leadership of this community. So it's hard for them to even know to address those things, um, to even know that those are, those are issues. Um, so. so for me, um, I mean, I've, I've never actually, I've, I've always been in communities that, um, where most of the people don't look like me. I, it's actually a very rare instance in my life whenever I'm in a community <laughs> where I'm not a minority. Um, so, uh, you know, and growing up like that, I've always learned how to adapt. Um, but part of that, that learning to adapt is a lack of intimacy and um, the ability to, to, to truly be authentic. And that's what I've experienced a lot, I guess, here, you know, you always have to, when you enter a new growth group or you're talking to a new person, um, you have to always um, read the room. You know, you learn how to, to figure out whether, you know, is this a person who is going to take things the wrong way? They're going to think that I am playing my race card or the, the female card if I say the wrong thing. 
Um, and I'm not a very uh, bold or confrontational person, so a lot of times um, that results in me just taking a back seat um, and not, um, not always expressing my opinions when I want to or making a suggestion um, for fear that I'm, I'm going to offend someone. Um, so that's, that's really, I think, the, the biggest barrier for me um, in, until it, it being in a place where um, I am different from most of the other people. Well, um, I think that I have, kind of like Yen, um, almost the same experience. I'm usually one of the only Hispanic people um, in a group of any setting. Um, and I don't hide my Hispanicness. Uh, <laughs> all of you who know who I am, um, I am I am a loud, boisterous, opinionated, um, joyful, loving human being, right? And um, I think that despite the lack of diversity that exists in the population of our church. Um, my experience has always been one of here in particular, I'm not talking about like, you know, outside of our community, but here in particular, I've always felt welcomed. Like I've always felt like I belong here just because of your hearts. You know, um, I come, I'm a part of this community because I hope that who I am, um, ethnically speaking, can contribute to your growth. Right, I became the E3 Kids director um, because children are my passion, they're my love, they're my heart, and I want to impart that on them. I want them to be able to grow up in a community where diversity is accepted and it's welcomed and it's appreciated. Um, and I mean, like you know, Rory and Yen have stated, it's it's not easy sometimes being the the out the outsider. We did do that series recently. Um, <laughs> but um, just through community, I hope that we can continue to build upon what we've started um, becoming more conscious of. Yeah, no, I, I, I really appreciate all three shares. And, you know, two things that stand out is one, that often lack of diversity is not intentional. It, it is a byproduct of years and years of culture building that you blink and suddenly you're like, oh, there's all white people here, right? Or not all, but a majority. And I think the hard part for communities is to sit there and reflect on why. Like that doesn't happen necessarily on accident. There are historical, but there are so organizational reasons that lead to that over time. And to kind of think about those, be willing to name those in light of grace, and then ultimately repent, which when we talk about that, that involves both saying, I'm sorry, but also change, concrete, tangible change to reverse the behavior that caused individuals to hide or to be wounded or to feel shame or just to not be able to be their, their full selves at times. And I think that's what I want to think about with question two, is I want to think about kind of like what are we repenting to? What is this idea of the benefits that comes with diversity? Like what could E3 
I don't want to say gain. That's kind of gross sounding. But yeah, how could E3 be better as a church, be a better reflection of God? What do you see as the potential benefits for our community if it became more diverse? Well, I think one of the most, well, the easiest um, steps that we could take would be to kind of drench ourselves in diversity. And let me explain further. Um, one thing would be to be more inclusive of, say, music styles, right? So worship, worship is a really easy way to kind of show that in inclusivity. Um, so just we have an amazing musical group that leads worship here, and their talent could easily lead them in that arena. Um, so that would be one thing. Um, I think also, too, in just the way we communicate across social media platforms, uh, the things that we see, um, whether it's in our, our common area, you know, in the coffee area, um, in E3 Kids, in student ministries, just, just seeing you know, different faces, um, different things posted. Um, and the more that we expose ourselves to seeing that, and instead of just, you know, accepting what is from whoever decided it to be, um, I think that that is one of the things that we could do to, to kind of bridge that gap or at least start making the steps necessary to get there. Yeah, so you think the potential benefit of that is obviously more inclusivity, but yes. also more welcoming, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because if we want to be able to welcome a diverse population here or say, hey, guess what? E3 is open to having you come in and worship with us and be a part of our community. They need to, people need to see that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, especially in connection, Yen, to your last answer with I come into a space and I know I don't have to hide my full self, right? There's not a part of me that I have to code switch or that I have to adapt to be welcome here. Yeah, no, I think that's a great answer. I don't know. What, what do you think the potential benefits are? Well, so speaking to not having to adapt, um, you know, when I was thinking about this question, I was trying to think of, um, you know, what, what that would look like. And it made me think of one of my favorite places <laughs> in the world. Um, so growing up, I, I was a very geeky, nerdy kind of kid. I loved comic books and sci-fi and fantasy. It was something that I always kind of hid because, I mean, now it's a lot more mainstream. Um, but growing up, it, it really wasn't. So yeah, it's not it something you're... Before it was cool. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not something that, you know, back then that you were very open about if you wanted to be accepted. Um, but about 10 years ago, one of my friends, who was also into these things, um, invited me to go to a convention in Atlanta called Dragon Con. And it is... Um, for all things nerdy and geeky. And I was a little, I was very wary and I, I wasn't sure, but I was like, okay, fine, we'll go. We'll see how this is. And when I went there, it was all of a sudden I walked in and there were all these people who were also into these things and it felt so freeing. And, I, and it was just 
I felt like I could just truly be myself for these five days that I was there. And for me, it felt like a little piece of heaven. I mean, we call it nerd church. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, just to have, I think everyone should experience a place where they can just be themselves, you know, they can say what they want and wear what they want and, and, and just, just be who they truly are. Um, if we can make E3 into a place like that, I mean, I think mm. that's what, I mean, that's what heaven is <laughs> to me. Amen. Yeah, to, uh, to kind of uh, go with uh, Yen's nerdy theme, I'm going to get a little bit more nerdy for a couple minutes. Um, so um, my partner loves Star Trek. Um, and so in the last three years, I have watched an indecent amount of Star Trek. Um, so much Star Trek. And I love it. I, I actually fell in love with it. Um, but one of the like hallmarks of Star Trek is this idea of infinite diversity and infinite combinations, right? So um, there's this organization called the Federation of Planets, and there's all these different planets, all these different species who have agreed to be a part of this organization, and they celebrate the diversity in all these cultures. Um, they embrace them, and then they all get to share resources and technology, and it benefits this federation of planets. Um, and so I, I really love that idea of infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Um, instead of shying away from the things that make us different, celebrating those differences, allowing us to learn from people who are different from us and allow those different perspectives to speak into this federation, this church, this culture that we have created. Um, I think that makes us better because it makes us stronger and it makes us more appealing to the diverse community that we're already a part of in Tallahassee. Mm. Um, you know, if we want um, a variety of people to come into the door, like Maribel said, they need to see themselves here. And so I don't think that the answer is to, um, you know, do what the American church has typically done, which is create these homogenous communities where everybody has to conform to a certain way of thinking, believing, whatnot, but to create these communities where people can bring their different ideas, their different ideals, um, their different cultures, and have those things not only accepted, but embraced, um, I think that makes us better, and that makes us the attractive community that we want to be. Yeah, I love that. You know, there's a uh, seminary term, so we're going to be nerdy, which is Eska. Yes eschatology, which is essentially the theology of the end times, but really it's the end of God's story. And I always was struck by the fact that like in Revelation 7 and 21, where you have this image of restored humanity at the end of God's story for creation, it's talking about every nation, every ethnic group, every tongue is all present, which is weird because I think when you think about diversity in these homogenous groups, it's almost like if the church is meant to be a foretaste of that end reality of God, this restored humanity, these churches seem to think like erasing diversity as the goal. And yet the image in the Bible is somehow unity in diversity. Like when we are renewed as humanity, our differences aren't erased by God. It's apparently a feature in his design, not a bug, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's so counter to the image of church that we often see, at least in our country, right? Um, 
And it gives us also a signpost for where we want to go. If we want to fully be that foretaste of renewed humanity, then these are things that we have to celebrate, we have to seek out, we have to include, and we have to be humble enough to learn from. And it also is going to take tangible action. And that's kind of where I want to close this panel, is I want to try to get concrete because so often these high-fluting ideas get stuck in the clouds and we never act, we never change, we never tangibly take steps to do better. And I think that's counter to the biblical call of repentance that we kind of started the last question with. So what do you think E3 can tangibly do to become more diverse? And if you want to think of it personally, what could we do to help you and your background and your experience uh, connect to us more fully? And I know Maribel already touched on some of that with worship and some of the, the lobby and social media, but what ideas do you have? What are some tangible, concrete things we can do? Well, um, I mean, I think uh, having these conversations um, is definitely a, a, a first step. Uh, just to be open and just to kind of announce that this is something that we are willing to talk about. Mm. Just to be open about it. Um, I mean, uh, I think just having more people who look a little different um, be up where we can be visible sometimes you know I think that's I think that's helpful just it just should just to show that um, this is something this church is open to and and just just be welcome welcoming to people I think um, a little bit building off of being open to communicating, I think a lot of, well, one of the biggest barriers that I have come across to, um, I guess, bridging, you know, that um, necessity is the lack of ability to converse respectfully and appropriately with those that have different experiences, viewpoints, Etc. Right. Yeah. So I think um, possibly um, in some sort of future, I know how we have like certain Bible studies that we do and things like that. I think one of the things that would be extremely helpful would, and this may sound very basic, but how do you converse with people? <laughs> sure. How do grown up talk? Like, yeah. Literally, like like how do you communicate? You know, like there is an art to communication. There really truly is. And there's a lot of times that people just don't, they just don't understand what it means to be able to enter into that kind of conversation, you know? And so when they hear something that is a little off-putting or goes against the grain with what they're accustomed to, then, you know, it's automatic shutdown mode or, um, or they, they get ugly, you know? And so... We as people need to be trained. <laughs> we, you know, we need to, as part of that openness to, you know, becoming more a more diverse church, we need tools. Yeah. So that's something that I think would be extremely beneficial um, for our community. Yeah, and I, I think that's a part where culture, outside culture has bled into the church, which is, you know, the good news of grace isn't just because God's such a nice you know, God. It's not just, there's a, there's a purpose, right? 
which is that grace frees you to change. It gets rid of shame. And there's this moment where, Maribel, you can come to me and you say, in this, like, here is my perspective, and I can accept that and accept my own humility, humbly accept that I don't see the whole picture. And then even you could say, because of this different perspective, like, how you did this hurt me, or it, it offended me, or it caused a wound. And without grace, I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm a piece of crap if I accept that. So I'm just going to reject that it's true. I'm like, well, that's not my experience. Well, I, you know, I didn't mean to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's like in that moment, I'm just denying the good news to a extent because what I should be doing is saying, I have a God of grace that's been given freely. I can hear this without flipping into self-loathing, and I can actually respond by changing and just saying, I'm sorry, I'll do better. And it's weird how basic that is, but when you look at the outside dialogue around things like racism and politics and social issues, mm-hmm. it's a lack of grace, both in terms of how we treat others, but I don't know how we like receive criticism or get yeah. told we're wrong at times. And mm-hmm. so I don't know, I, I didn't mean to jump in, but I just think that's I think that's spot on. Mm-hmm. I think that's spot on. Yeah. Roy, did you have thoughts? Um so I have a lot of thoughts, um, as you know. My... Do you want me to get down? <laughs> Everybody buckle in, because we're going to be here for a while. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, as, you know, our, diver- our diversity dialogue um, ministry has been having a lot of these conversations about what we can do um, to create a more diverse community. Um, and we've done a lot of research and read a lot of books and, um Honestly, I think, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, we can make accepting diverse opinions, diverse thoughts, and from diverse people part of our culture um, at every level of our culture. So having people who have, you know, and I think Mike alluded to this earlier, having people who are more diverse speaking into every area of ministry because you can't, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and you know, in every, you know, in more leadership positions, just having people be able to speak into how our, our church operates. Um, you know, we, we don't want to be, you know, the white savior church that swoops into communities of color and tries to save them from, anything. Um, and the way we avoid that is having people of color speak into their salvation, um, speak into the ways that we minister to them, um, and speak into the way that this church cares for diverse people. Um, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, Maribel said, it would be lovely to see people of different colors on stage. And Yen said this as well, seeing people of color, you know, everywhere in our community on our website, which I have noticed recently. I was like, yay, this is exciting. For years, that wasn't the case. So our church is making progress and we, we are taking steps towards becoming the diverse community that we want to be. Um, but I, I think until our leadership is more diverse, then we will continue to perpetuate this cycle of creating this uh, culture that appeals mostly to white people. And again, I know that that's not intentional, but like I said before, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what will or won't appeal to someone who's different than you unless you talk to someone who's different than you. Um, So, 
you know, I, 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 think, I think we're headed in a good direction. Um, the leadership of our church has been super responsive to um, heading in that direction of becoming more diverse. That's something that they have said that they're very passionate about. And they created a ministry team that specifically looks at ways that we can do that. So I think, and I'm hopeful that it will happen. Um, and not just so that we can say that we're a diverse church, but so that we can be a place that really can be home and can offer that belonging to everybody in Tallahassee. No, I love that. Yeah. I mean, a church that can be wise, <laughs> bringing it back around, but you don't know, you don't know. And divine wisdom from an infinite God probably isn't one and the same as Mike Overstreet's wisdom from his ethnic, cultural, social background, right? So I need a different perspective to even get closer to what wisdom even is. And our church at leadership levels needs different perspectives to get closer to what divine wisdom is. And I think that's, anyone else want that? Because I do, I really do. I think that's beautiful. And I think that's the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. So that's all we got today, I think. Anyone have any uh, closing pot shots at Dan Bellamy you wanna take? <laughs> Can you guys give them a round of applause and thank them? So as we head into this last song, we are going to, or I'm going to challenge you to take some time to reflect. There's a phrase that I heard in recovery work, which is used elsewhere, so it's not from recovery work, but it's the first time I heard it, which is that I can't see me without you. And what that ultimately means is that from our singular perspective, whether we like it or not, we have blind spots, right? It's like when you're driving in a car, you can't see this and this, and boy, if you start driving and acting like you don't have blind spots, what happens? People die. No, people get hurt, right? And if I work from a vantage point that says I see myself and all of my reality and I get how things work and I don't need any other perspectives to see that more fully, I can guarantee you relationally and how you navigate your world, the wisdom you choose, you're going to hurt people whether you intend to or not. And the cool invitation of something like diversity is that if I'm humble enough to say, I do not see the whole perspective, I might be wrong. I need you so I can see more clearly is that those blind starts, spots start to shrink. They start to vanish. And how I in this church navigates this world becomes a little bit kinder, a little bit more inclusive, a little bit healthier and a whole lot less likely to cause wounds even when we don't intend to. And y'all, that's good news, is it not? So during this last song, reflect on an answer that hits you, one that maybe revealed a blind spot, and how you can be part of the solution here at this church to us becoming more like our God and more like a little piece of good news in a world that so desperately needs it. Amen.